What's going on, guys? If this is your first time tuning into Living Real Driven, welcome. I'm your host, Nick Updike, and I started this podcast to really help you guys push your comfort zone, get uncomfortable, and evolve mentally, physically, spiritually, and most importantly, embrace that badass version of yourself that you're meant to be, whether you believe it or not. I'm going to get you to believe it. So get ready to hear from experts in different industries as well as people that are just like you and me that are pursuing their passions to the fullest and taking that necessary massive action regardless of all the challenges and adversities and punches in the face that they're going to experience on their journey. I'm going to show you guys that living an impactful life filled with purpose is possible. You don't have to settle for that 9 to 5 average life if you're willing to work your ass off and make the necessary sacrifices. No more freaking excuses. If you're ready to dominate life and become the person you're destined to be, get your notes out and let's begin living a real driven life today. What's up guys? Welcome to Living Real Driven. I'm Nick Updike and I'm your host and today I have a very special guest with me, someone who I go way back with all the way to elementary school. She's a female flight instructor, she's a pilot, and she's one of the most genuinely nice and authentic people I've ever met, my good friend Gatlin Ligon. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, and I really appreciate you moving some stuff around to be here today. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to be here. Thank cool. you for thinking of me to be on the show. So yeah. So it. let's get started and jump into how you first got into flying and your obsession with planes and that whole deal, because that's definitely not ordinary for you know a female in general right so um growing up i mean you knew me i always kind of had a need for speed and a little bit of an adrenaline junkie um something that's kind of cool i don't actually know if you know this or not uh one of my first flights i ever went on you were there yeah um i'll send you the picture later it's kind of sketchy by the way (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh that was one of the first opportunities i had actually had to be up in a plane um, or in a small plane like that. Uh, as you know, my mom works for Delta Airlines as right. a flight attendant. So uh, kind of getting benefits with the airlines. I traveled a lot. Um, you know, going in the on the plane as a little kid, looking in the cockpit, getting excited about what they do, um, kind of inspired me a little bit. And then with the opportunity to go up like we had uh, with Sebastian Tomaszewski, who's been a huge inspiration to me, um, kind of solidified my want and desire to actually be a pilot become one so I started flying when I was about 16 years old with introductory flights and just kind of getting used to flying and seeing if that was something I actually wanted to do Um, and then just absolutely went with it when I turned 17 I got my private pilot license which is that's the minimum age you're allowed to get one Um, and then decided that that was going to be kind of what I wanted to do with my life and from there it haven't really looked back. All right, we'll definitely dive more in depth in like how you climbed the ranks and all of that. But would you say your mom, since she was a flight attendant, she played a major role in you like finding your passion for flying? Because just because she's a flight attendant, that doesn't mean like it doesn't give you that insight to actually flying a plane. So where did that come from? Right. Um, my mom has been a huge inspiration throughout my whole life, more than anything, more than the inspiration towards the actual aviation industry or anything of that sort. It's more just been support. Um, 
I don't know if the viewers are kind of aware, but uh, the aviation industry has less than 8% females. So it's not a common career that your parents are saying, Definitely hey, maybe not. you should be a pilot. Um, and that's something that my mom always gave me. It was, you could be whatever you want to be. That's so and important. So, Right. I'll definitely attribute that to her. Um, and then in terms of actually getting involved in flying, um, I don't know. It was just that first flight. I caught the aviation bug, as they call it. And like, this is so cool. Yeah. Being in the sky <laughs> yeah. Honestly, after I went up flying with you and you flew me to go skydiving for my first time, I was like, dang, I honestly should have taken up, <laughs> took up flying. This is so cool. Right. No, it's awesome. It's an incredible opportunity. You get to see amazing things. Um, every day is different, you know, which I love. Every day is a challenge and you're always working with different students. So as a flight instructor, I always have a different view of what's going on or I have to adapt my teaching styles to the type of student. So it's always different. It's a challenge, which I love. Um, and it's beautiful. It's the best office view I think there is out there. Um, so do your parents get nervous, especially when you were first starting and you're flying solo for your first few times? Were they nervous that you were flying alone? Like, were they scared or anything like that? Were they checking <laughs> up on you? Hey, like, you still okay, sweetie? <laughs> um, I'm not sure if they were nervous or not. They didn't tell me if they were. Um, I hope they'd have confidence right, that I'd right. be able to land the plane. <laughs> they actually were on the ground. when I, My first solo flight, I was just doing laps in the pattern, practicing mm-hmm. takeoff and landings. They were on the ground uh, with a walkie-talkie listening to me on the radio um, and watching me. I know the first time that I sent my student solo, uh, who I have absolutely zero relationship to whatsoever other than him being my student. I've known him for two months, and I actually wanted to throw up when I was watching him. Oh my gosh. So, I know it's nerve-wracking, but I... I wasn't nervous when I was with you, though. Uh, that... I, felt, I felt too confident. At least I thought that was you were way more experienced at that point. Right. Maybe I would have been a little more nervous to be like, yeah, this is my second time in the air alone. No, no, I think... Um, the training that I've received, right. even from being a private pilot, despite how much I've grown since then, uh, was, you know, adequate enough for oh, an instructor sure. to tell me, you're good to go, and then believe in my abilities, and my parents said believe in my abilities, right. and everything, um, you know. Before we even took off, there's that whole protocol list that you had to go through. Right. Could you tell the audience what goes into preparing before the flight, and just give them, like, a spark note summary of it? Yeah, yeah, sure, of course. So what actually goes into um, taking just any flight, you actually start days in advance, right? So you start looking at weather, you start checking, making sure that your maintenance logs are up to date, all the checkouts on the planes are good, and you yourself are current. So after all of those things happen and you're kind of getting closer to your flight, uh, you'll still continue to check weather, and then once you're actually up to the flight, um, you'll run uh, what's called a pre-flight inspection, which I think you saw me do. It's right, a walk right, around. Right. You just check. It's like right. a check-off. Yep, exactly. It's a checklist. Um, you walk around the plane. You're making sure that everything is according to the checklist. And then um, right before we take off, you know, you just do one last check of the weather and make sure everything's good. And then you actually take off. So the planning really goes right. a couple days beforehand. Okay, so... On the day of, though, how long does it normally take to go through your checklist and just get everything ready? Um, with a plane that you're familiar with. The smaller one. A smaller was. aircraft that, like, for example, the plane that we flew, I had been flying for a year. What was um, that? That was a Diamond DA-40, the one that we flew. Right. Um, I like that little guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so basically, um, I can do that almost, you know, 
in my sleep I could walk around and I know everything that I'm looking for and I know where every nut and bolt is and what it does right. so when I'm reading the checklist and I know where things are you know it's quick that being said though it still has to be thorough um what we do is kind of inherently dangerous and right. you know you never want to leave up to anything anything up to chance yeah. I can speak um so uh anywhere between you know 30 minutes is typical 20 to 30 minutes for your basic pre-flight inspection okay. um and then when you're kind of a newer student, maybe a little bit longer. So what about when we were actually in the air flying? I know you're on the radio a lot, talking to different towers and different things. Just tell me a little bit about some of the protocols while you're actually flying. Right, you so who you heard me talking to was a couple different people. Um, we were talking to tower because we were flying out of a tower okay, yeah. airspace. So basically, they had to give us clearance to take off and fly through their airspace. Um, and then as we were transitioning along the coast, we were transitioning through a couple different airspaces. Uh, we threw, flew through Boca's airspace. Right. Um, then we flew through a little bit larger airspace. So you're just West giving Palm. them a warning, basically. You're just right. like, hey, like, I'm about to fly through your airspace. Just right. As we're transitioning, up. they have to know where we are. We have to have a specific identification code so they can see us flying through. You know, they're handling right. much larger traffic like yeah, 737s like, that are flying over us, so they need to know. And then other people we were talking to were, um, I believe we had flight following. That's air traffic control. They're just giving us updates about okay. traffic along the way. So you're talking to a lot of different people as you go through um, airspace. All right, so now that you're a certified flight instructor, what all went into getting to that level? I know you've had to fly a ton of hours in the air, so just tell me some of the steps you've had to take to get to that level okay so um basically uh i went through a 141 school so it's a little bit different about how i got all of my certificates and ratings when i flew with you i was a private pilot um and now when i went back to school to attain all my ratings i took courses in order to attain my commercial license my instrument rating um and my multi-engine rating and then now my cfi and double i so what is a rating so a rating is basically uh, what gives you certain privileges. Um, for example, as a private pilot, you're allowed to uh, carry passengers with you. Um, as a commercial pilot, you're now allowed to start being paid for specific um, things that you do. That's that's a little bit tricky to go into. Right. Um, but an instrument license or rating allows you to fly into the clouds, so you actually can fly with zero visibility. Um, up there and then multi obviously you can fly with two engines um, and then my CFI actually allows me to teach so right so those different ratings allow you to do those different things but how do you earn those ratings is it how many hours you spend it's, on each level to get there or right um for it depend mostly it's based off of hours initially um, and then if you can get your specific amount of hours in, or you could get rather uh, the amount of knowledge you need in a specific amount of hours, uh, it's based off of hours. That being said, a lot of people, you know, will have to maybe go over the FA regulation of minimum hours in order to have their instructor feel comfortable okay. enough to sign them off. So is there an exam you have to take before you can graduate to the next level, mm -hmm. or do you just have a flight instructor that's shadowing you and observing you or how does that work so you have a flight instructor throughout your whole um training process there's some solo as um you know mm -hmm. um in addition you have to take a written test 
which um, they're consistent across all, no matter where you are. It's an FA written test, so you'll go into an office and take one. Um, additionally, you have to have a check ride, which uh, somebody from the FAA or from a FISDO comes in and uh, examines your knowledge and makes sure that you're held up to certain standards that they allot. And oh, cool. um, if you're within those, they'll issue you your certificate or rating. So... Another question I really wanted to ask is, what's it like being a female in a predominantly male profession, especially going to flight school at Purdue? How many females were even in your class? So I actually school? had one class where I was the only girl. Um, Out of how many guys? Uh, in that specific class, I want to say it was maybe 40 or 50. Oh, wow. Um, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, uh, you know, it is expanding I want to say maybe we have 10% females now in our class. Oh, wow, whole 10%. <laughs> whole 10%. Um, to me, you know, I get that question a lot, and to me, it hasn't ever been, you know, different for me. Like, right. you're a female in a male-dominated industry. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's because I've never focused on that. I've focused on, you know, getting to my goal, and uh, it hasn't been you know, you're at a setback or you're at a disadvantage because you're not the predominant person in the right, industry. Right. It was like, well, how are you going to make yourself stand out enough or how are you going to push yourself that extra mile, you know, to be on the of same course. level as everybody else? Um, another thing, though, is um, since we are such a small number, uh, it is really one of my goals to get more girls involved in aviation. Um, one of the ways I do that is I'm president of our women in aviation chapter at school, and oh, we yeah. host we host girls in aviation day. So um, any girls uh, grades three through eight will come, and we'll basically start getting their interest up and um, introducing them to aviation. We'll have a few different activities. So basically, we just want to have young girls know that you know STEM. Mm -hmm. related majors are an option and that's something that they could think about and I think that's the key even for going on in the future is just as young people just implement right. implement yeah. implementing the idea that um, you know they can be anything whatever they want to be and that's kind of where we start all you have to do is just put them next to you in the plane and go <laughs> flying over the beach that's what you do with me there you <laughs> it go it worked beautifully <laughs> yeah everybody who i take flying in florida is usually oh they're so spoiled i mean you can see the ocean right there on a day like today it would be right. so nice yeah no it's, it's i've been really really blessed to be able to fly here and you know also been been blessed to fly in indiana um and all the Some adverse nice weather <laughs> good places to land if anything ever happens that's true that's true so you wouldn't say that the instructors or your fellow, like, other students treated you differently because you were a girl? It's a, mm, I've had a few, maybe, uh, instructors treat me a little bit differently. And whether that's out of, I, maybe they don't know if they can find a way to relate or something like that. Um, I'm not sure. That being mm -hmm. said, I just, I think it's important that you don't get drugged down by those right. things. It's all mindset, right? Right, it is. It's definitely a mindset. And when that happens, you kind of just have to pick yourself back up, move on. You know, that's what makes you that much better, right? So if they expect a certain type of performance out of maybe a male and they're kind of holding you to a higher standard, well, if that's what makes you better, um, it's actually been able to be yeah, to my advantage. Exactly. It's made me a little bit better, so...
That's awesome. Yeah. So what would you say your favorite aspect of flying is? Like, what is that thing about flying that just excites you and makes you want to keep going? Every time, this? every time I take off, it's the most amazing feeling in the world. Um, there's absolutely no way to describe it. No matter what I'm doing, whenever I'm taking off, uh, you know, that's all I'm thinking about. Yeah. I'm absolutely, I'm, it's, I'm smiling and it's free and it's yeah, just, yeah. it's amazing. So nice. I'm much more into the taking off than the landing situation. <laughs> I'm not a big landing guy. It's a little shaky sometimes. <laughs> no, it's, it's, the little planes though are kind of scary when you're landing from right. someone who's never really flown in a small plane. Right. No, they definitely are. And especially, um, when you have a student who's never flown and you're coming in for landing yeah. and they're on the controls. <laughs> yeah, but, you're sitting and you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> but you get used to it. And it's actually, that's one of the most rewarding things about being a flight instructor is that I've taken someone who has never been in a plane, doesn't know anything about flying, and then I hop out of the plane so and cool, I watch yeah. them take off. And it's really, really like cool. My little bird that I grew, he's <laughs> exactly. flying. He was a caterpillar and now he's a butterfly. It's cool to see somebody, you know, grow that much because of something that uh, you put so much work right. in. I, it must I, feel so, like, awarding. Right. It really is. It's absolutely so rewarding. And despite all of the challenges and all of the times that you want to quit and all of the landings that aren't perfect and... You know, the 10-hour check ride that I took halfway through, I was like, maybe I don't want to do this. 10-hour check ten ride. 10-hour check ride for my CFI. And, you know, you forget about all of that. And when you're watching your student take off, it's it's all about them. And it's, you know, it's really, really great feeling. But 10-hour check ride doesn't mean you're flying for 10 hours. No, no. So I actually had a 7-hour oral. It was about a 45-minute pre-flight and then uh, almost two-hour flight. Okay, so it's just the whole combination of everything right. put together is 10. Correct. That's still pretty intense. That's it was, definitely not it was a intense. nice like, <laughs> final exam. <laughs> no, it was, it was the most intense test of my life. It was definitely um, hard. And <laughs> <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> it, it, it definitely... No, it, it really did um, test me and how much... Sure. I wanted the my goal and my dreams yeah. and everything, and you kind of had to push through that, you know, six hours in, and you don't want to teach another lesson, or you don't want to... But you have to remember your why, like, why you're doing this in the first place, and how much right. you want it. Right, exactly, and actually, that's, like, one of the most inspirational kind of mottos that I go by is um, not when people ask, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up, but, you know, what do you want to go through to get there, right? right. So... Do I want to be a CEO or do you want to work six days a week, seven to seven? You know, it's kind of just, I like asking yeah. those questions more than I just want to be a commercial pilot. Yeah, big facts. I like that. All right, so let's go back to college at Purdue for you. What is a typical day and week look like? Because you're basically, you're almost like a student athlete, <laughs> except you're in flight school. Student athlete pilot. You're a student athlete pilot, mm -hmm. so... Tell me about like what your typical day or week would look like. Um, so uh, basically, I still take seventeen credit hours. Um, you like, take seventeen credit mm -hmm. hours. Does that include like flight classes, or is that? Um, school? yeah, that's flight classes. Right now, I'm actually flying the Phenom One Hundred, which is a jet. Um, so that's Ooh. one of my classes. Uh, that's a really really cool class. I don't even consider it a class. Um, you get to fly a plane for a class, huh? Yeah, it's awesome. That is freaking awesome. And then um, I also have students who I instruct. So 
so that doesn't count towards the credit hours, mm-hmm. but basically in between classes and any of my free blocks during the day, uh, I'm at the airport either teaching ground or teaching students how to right. fly. And then um, managing a lot of clubs on the side, um, like I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, I'm, I'm highly involved with women in aviation, student council, uh, aviation ambassadors, mm-hmm. so I definitely have a lot going on. Yeah, uh, I like to hit the gym because, you know, I'm a student athlete pilot, as you said, <laughs> so um, basically that happens around 10 at night, and then I'll go home. You work out at 10 at night? Yeah. See, how do you sleep? I can't sleep if I'm working out like that close to when I'm Really? To oh, you just study for a few more hours yeah, and you then know, you go to bed? I'm more of like a 7, 8 a.m. workout guy. I get it, <laughs> knock it out, and then at night I'm more of like, I'll read or like do something <laughs> right. on want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have class at 7.30, oh, so. Shit. <laughs> um, no, basically, I mean, it's your typical <clears throat> college student who has a job yeah. as well it's just my job is a little bit different mm-hmm. um managing time definitely gets tough sometimes right that's what i was gonna ask how do you your schedule is so busy how are you able to manage that time and i'm sure like you get stressed at times because right I mean, who doesn't especially with that kind of workload right well i think one of the main things and everybody says to you know i'm always smiling no matter what mm-hmm. i'm doing i could be on my fourth student of the day or my fifth class and I'll still have a smile on my face and I think it's because you know everything that I'm working towards every extra hour that I'm at the airport or that I put in an extra hour of studying um you know I'm working towards my goal right and I don't think I think as maybe you know as tired or as stressed as you are at the time when you know you're one step closer to that goal you're doing it for a reason you have to have a smile on your face so goes um, back to having that positive mindset and attitude towards everything right exactly looking at it like you have an amazing opportunity you're fortunate enough to be able to actually go to the school and get closer to your goals right so that's that's kind of how you have to look at it right no exactly and i just feel blessed to be in the situation in the first place so whenever i'm feeling a little tired or a little stressed (laughs) i'm like you know what you're working towards a goal and and how much do you want this goal and if that's what you're willing to put in to get mm. there, the quicker I'll get there. So, are you big into goal setting and like maybe visualization of your goals or stuff like that, or do you just kind of have your goals in mind like as you're going at it, or are you more of like the person who writes them down, has like action steps? Like how how do you plan your goals? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Um, I'm like a writing all my goals down type of person. Mm. Uh, that being said, though, I'll have goals for each semester <laughs> or basically or hour goals right? right so in each hour interval that i need so for example by the summer i really want a job that requires 500 hours so in my head i'm like okay well i have four months to get another 80 hours so how many hours do i need a month so it's basically smaller right. goals that will ultimately lead me to my larger goal um, and I think, you know, that's key in goal setting, right? So you have to actually be able to achieve something to set a further goal. Of course, of course. In order to and reach... it builds your confidence, too, as you're going right. along and you're actually reaching those smaller goals. Exactly. And, you know, I actually proved that with students. If I have, you know, I've set maybe little goals for them. You know, I want you to maybe um, land by this date or I want you to be able to maybe do this by this date. And you mm-hmm. can see that that builds their confidence um, and you know, that'll lead them to solo and that'll lead them to do cross countries and that'll eventually lead them to getting their license. So I think, you know, that's something that is important kind of for everybody to just be able to set little goals. This is, um, a completely random question that I just kind of thought of, but 
Do you guys do like flight simulations and mm-hmm. stuff like that? So that's the thing. It's not just a video game that I used to play. When no, I was no, it's All not right. just a video. We actually have um, simulators at our school that we have little courses in. So like I was mentioning, um, for our getting our instrument rating, mm-hmm. you'll actually have a course in the simulator beforehand. Basically, oh, just really? getting down procedures and different approaches. Basically, Sounds very tedious, like all the procedures and all like the small stuff you right. do before you actually start flying. Right, it is, and it, it definitely is, but um, all of those procedures, not to get grim or anything on us, <laughs> but yeah, they really will. They like to say they're all like written in blood, so, which yeah. is sad, you know, And but True. it's really, really important. All of them are there for a reason, and once you get the hang of them, it, it it's right, like right. driving a car, course, you know, um, but it's definitely super important to to get those procedures down and be able to do that. So tell me, do you have any stories where maybe the weather came in a little hard and you weren't expecting it or something kind of went wrong? Uh, like you don't have to go into graphic detail, right. but like just anything right. that made you like nervous or uncomfortable when you were flying and how did you deal with that? Right, um, I think everybody has stories and I think it's just, you know, a matter of time until you have a story <laughs> that you were like, maybe I shouldn't have been in that situation. <clears throat> Um, and one way, uh, I like to teach my students is by telling them my stories about, Hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, then, <laughs> and you know, maybe they won't. Um, so we won't really get into those, but, uh, the other day, actually just last week I was flying along the ocean, transitioning through, uh, Fort Lauderdale's airspace. So I was at 500 feet and oil started coming out of the cowling. Oh, that's and, cool. Right. And you know, things like that are really inevitable. It's just a matter of time till you have some sort of maintenance issue. Um, and then I will attribute everything that I know, um, you know, to my training and, to us constantly preparing for emergencies and constantly expecting them. And we ended up getting the plane on the ground safely. Uh, we turned around and had an emergency landing and everything was fine. Right. So you're already prepared for situations like that happening. So right. you were like, oh shit, like there's oil leaking out. You're like, all right, some oil, you know, no big deal. We're just going to turn it around. Right. So it's actually really important that, you know, you remain calm. And in that situation, mm-hmm. you remember all of the training that you've received and, everything that you know about planes and what's going to happen and anticipating. And, you know, I was calm in that situation on the ground. Once everything was fine, I was, I was like, wow, you know, maybe I should have been freaking <laughs> yeah. out. But I was fine while I was happening. I had somebody in the back, though, who was genuinely, you know, freaking out. Oh, there's someone in the plane? Yeah, so it was actually uh, a non-pilot and her son in the plane. Oh, crap. So, <laughs> it's okay, buddy. You're going to be okay. Yeah, you know, it's Close important. You have to not only remain calm but keep keep your passengers calm calm. so that was really important and you know everything ended up working out and being okay but you know we were taught with the mindset that every time you go up in the plane something's going to go wrong and if you land and nothing goes wrong then that's a great day but if it does you're ready for it that's awesome yeah so we haven't really talked about your vision for the future it's already 2019 what are some big goals you have for this year and then some big goals you have for maybe five and even ten years. Like in a perfect world, where would you be working? Who would you be working for? Would you be like have your own business? Would you be flying privately? What would you be doing? Right. Um, so my goal for 2019 um, is basically just to uh, keep flying, keep instructing, and actually graduate college. Um, my goal is to graduate a semester early next December. Um, so by... The end of 2019, I'd like to... You're already going to be done? Yep. 
So yeah, so like halfway through junior year, man. (laughs) I know, but uh, that's the goal: is to graduate college at the end of 2019 and hopefully have the hours required uh, to work for a regional airline. Um, maybe go work for a regional for a couple of years, and then ultimately onto a commercial airline. Um, and then that actually answered all of your questions. You know, in five years, yeah. Um, maybe a little bit more towards ten years. Uh, that's the goal is to be working for a commercial airline. Um, I've always had the goal to be working with my mom. She works for Delta Airlines. Dang! Well, imagine you're flying. <laughs> she's. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I just absolutely think that would be amazing if I could work with her and fly on a trip that she's flying so uh the goal right there is to hopefully be at delta airlines in you know a couple years so delta airline that's the that's the one as of right now that's the one as long as my mom is still there is um, it because of your mom though or do you just really like delta no actually my mom the reason why i'm familiar with delta is because my mom worked there and she used to talk a lot about um, basically the company culture okay. and how they treated their employees well and how, um, you know, they gave back to the community. They do a lot of community service work. And then actually last summer I was able to go to Atlanta and intern for them. And everything that my mom had said about them, I found to be it's true. true. And, awesome. um, you know, not only do I think they're some of the best people or the best airline in the industry, right. I also just found that their people are genuine and down to earth and they're all self-made people and their culture is really incredible and their values are in the right place. And, you know, more than anything else, that's kind of what drives me towards them. Okay. So. So this may be a dumb question, but is flying commercial or flying privately more sought after? Like, what's the difference really? I know the actual difference, but. Right. Um. It completely depends on preference of of the pilot. Um, They're kind of two different lifestyles. So if you work for a private company or you may be flying corporate jets. Can you be like independent? Like you fly for multiple like wealthy people for their jets and stuff? Depending on your contract. uh, That would be all depending on your contract. But you could work for um, companies that lease like that uh, rent jets. And you could be flying different jets every week. Uh, you could work for one person, um, and basically you could be salaried, and whenever they want to fly, you fly them somewhere. There are a lot of great corporate opportunities out there right. if you find them. Um, commercial is just a little bit of a different lifestyle, and some people prefer that. Some people don't. Okay. Um, I heard, for all of the people out there, if anybody wants to be a pilot, I heard there are kind of like three levels. So there's corporate on the bottom, where you could kind of get a you know, not so great job, if you kind of get stuck in one, um, you could be commercial, where you're like kind of safe, you know, it's a safe way yeah. to go, and um, you have a have a good job and a, and a decent life, and then there's corporate again, where if you could find a corporate job that's absolutely incredible, and you have an amazing quality of life, you know, that's kind of on the top there, so it's kind of just where you find a job, and who right, you're working right, for, right. and preference, so. So you want to do like more like the commercial in the mm-hmm. middle for Delta, mm-hmm. and then you kind of just see how everything goes. Mm-hmm. That's right. as, as of right plan. now. I mean, everything changes definitely, so I don't want to be on here saying yes. Right. I'm gonna, of course, of course. I'm gonna work for them, oh, but <laughs> I know more than anyone that shit can change real fast. Right, right, it does, and you know, so <clears> I definitely <throat> wouldn't want to solidify that I'm going to one place and doing. Sorry, one thing. it's good to have the the goal in mind then, the right. vision of what you want, and then you know you can your path can change a little bit right. as you go. 
But, alright, so the final question I like to ask everyone who's on the show is if you could give some advice or encouragement to someone out there that has these big visions and goals in mind or has a specific profession maybe they want to go into like you did, but they're afraid of going all into it and like giving it their all because maybe of what people think or they're afraid of failure. Like for you example, since you're a female pilot and like 90% are male, you may have been like afraid, but you said fuck it and you did it anyway. Right. What would you tell this, for your instance, maybe a girl? Right. Um, so there's a couple different things I'd tell anybody um, to pursuing any dream. You know, you have to go for it. You have to put everything into it. Um, people with a plan B don't necessarily put absolutely everything they have into their plan A. But, yeah. Which is why I say if you have something that you know you want to do and you have a dream, you know, you just have to go after it. And when you fall down, you know, you have to get back up. And I know that's cliche, mm-hmm. but it so absolutely true, is. You get you get knocked down and you hit these plateaus in your life where you're like, you know, I can't go any further or I've been knocked down so many times. Or, you know, financially, fly, for me, flying was an expensive path. And, you know, well, I have to figure out how I'm going to get that money, how I'm going to land better, mm-hmm. how I'm going to, you know, get that next rating. Basically, you just, you keep up to, you know, you have to get up and it makes you better and um, right. There's a lot of personal growth involved, especially in a journey like that. It's a long path. Right, right. It definitely is. Um, but like I said, it's rewarding and it's worth it in the end. And anybody who's out there maybe pursuing aviation, um, you know, I'd tell them, don't stop. You know, it's worth it in the end. And especially young girls, um, there are people who told me that I wouldn't be able to do it or they'd ask me, why are you being a pilot? things like that and you know you just have to let that be motivation and fuel to kind of get where you're going and then once you're there I think the most important thing too is to kind of you know reach back and help others behind you like that's kind of my ultimate goal too you know when I get somewhere I'm always making sure that I'm helping those behind me and kind of hoping to be that a little bit of a leader or an inspiration to those um following people so and that goes for pretty much anything honestly not just aviation right anything you cannot give up you there's going to be times where you're down there's going to be times where people are trying your life but <laughs> right you just got to keep persevering if it's something that's important to you and right. you want to actually do something different it is no and, and if you want it and if you put everything you have into it and you keep working at it um you know if anything stands in your way you'll get past it right on all right thank you for being on the Aww. show though Thank you. Um, before you go, what's like your social media handles for people that want to follow you? Oh, do you post um, stuff about flying or not? Yeah, really? I do. I do. Um, my Instagram is Gatlin Ligon. All right, I'll put it up on. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, no problem. And then um, YouTube? Any? any no, I don't have any YouTube tutorial videos coming <laughs> soon. How to fly, <laughs> how to fly for a novices. Plane. So if you guys just decide you want to start flying, yeah, what are some good resources for for people like that? Um, maybe getting started or maybe they have an interest in it but they still want to learn more well any youtube is one of the best you know free resources out there um there's pilot training systems and there's if you type in private pilot you could you could even be watching people fly oh really um there's there's, cams right yeah no it's really the videos out there are can you listen to them too yeah 
Yeah, you can hear. Um, oh, that is really cool. Yeah, so there's basically, I mean, that's if you just want a starting point. Right. Um, anybody can start there. Um, cool, cool. Yeah. That's it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it and were able to take away some tremendous value from it. Now, I want to remind you that knowledge is only power if you make the effort to actually take action and implement it into your daily life. I can assure you, if you just listen to the podcast, take zero notes, and don't make an effort to take the practical tools we provide you and put it into daily practice, 90% of the info will be out the window within a week. Guaranteed. It's just how it works. So do me a favor and review your notes and see how you can implement what you just learned from the podcast. It will help you tremendously. So as a bonus, every week I'll be picking one person on Instagram who screenshots the podcast and tags at real underscore driven to give away one piece of RD merch of your choosing. Hats, shirts, whatever you guys like. So with that being said, I hope you all have a kick-ass day and I'll see you next time.